Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Today we're talking about aging. That's right. Now, the big thing with, with aging is um, our population now, and I've heard this said, I mean, by multiple different sources, that the generation today will not outlive the current generation. So let's look at aging. Like, is our population getting healthier, and are we living longer? Because when you hear a lot of what the talking heads on the media are talking about, they're saying, oh, we're just getting diseases because we're living longer. Really, are we? Well, first, you've got to know the difference between lifespan and life expectancy. And that's a whole different world. Lifespan is the length of time a person lives. Okay, life expectancy is how long, on average, a person is going to live. So let's look at this. Uh, Leonard Hayflick, he wrote a book in 1994, How and Why We Age. Quote, there is no evidence that the maximum human lifespan has changed from what it was about 100,000 years ago. It is still about 115 years. End of quote. That's right. We were designed... Over 2,000 years ago, well, this, this, this person's data says 100,000 years ago, to live to 115. And we're seeing that today still. We will look at uh, Benjamin Radford wrote an uh, article in 2009 that talks about how lifespans have been constant for about 2,000 years. And you might be thinking, well, wait a second, that doesn't make sense because people aren't living to 115 on a consistent basis year-round around the entire world. And that's true because there are certain challenges. I mean, take it this way. The difference between lifespan and life expectancy. Life expectancy in, in 1907 was about 45 years. Now, that does not mean that in 1907 that people were dying a lot, okay, at 46. You know, 47 would be an old man. That's not true. Think of this. In 1900, if a couple had two children, one died at birth and the other one lived to 90, what's their life expectancy? 45. So when you factor out infant mortality rate uh, and you change the, the water, the refrigeration, the sewage, okay, then the kids can live and so there's no wars or things like that, then you have to look at, the, at what lifespan is, where your body, if you're given sufficient nutrients and not beat up too much, you're going to make it to 115. Uh, now, why? So, so how long has this been going on? Well, we can look back at the works of Plato and Aristotle, and we're talking Plato, said that guardians should rule between 50 and 70. I mean, that, that is uh, radically different than, than what we were taught in the books. I mean, they have accurate data for 300 years uh, back uh, in, in the pre-biblical times. And we're talking, or the 300 B.C., uh, and what they found was that Hieronymus, and this was a guy, and I love the, love the way they described it, stood to much toil and many wounds and lived to 104 years old. And they say he was still vigorous in his marital relationships, uh, in all his faculties, lacking none of the symptoms of ill health. And, and then they also go on to document 
uh, these people, Georges, who lived to 108, Cespus, uh, 104, Strabo, 88, Sophocles, died at 90. I mean, you look at these guys, and I mean, look at our own founding fathers. John Adams died at 90. So let's look at modern day people because we're talking about aging. What are these people doing? Okay, they're, are they eating nothing but superfoods? Are they getting the best medical care? Are they on the finest blood pressure drugs and getting flu shots on a regular basis? It turns out, no, that these people have certain lifestyles. So let's look at uh, Janine Calmet, uh, the longest living human to date that had her birth and death recorded. She made it 122 years, five months. Now, this gal is really cool. She was born in 1875. She actually met Van Gogh when she was 13 years old. She loved going hunting. She loved painting, piano, going to Mercedes. She just had fun. Now, every day she would um, smoke one cigarette and have a glass of port wine. And she would also enjoy cakes and chocolate, which she ate every day. Yeah, that's right. She smoked for over a hundred years. Now, was she smoking six packs a day and were they Marlboro? No, she smoked one cigarette a day at the end of the day for a port. She enjoyed life. She liked getting things done quickly and efficiently. Let's look at another centrogenarian. Now, this gal made it to 115. Charlotte Hughes. And and when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at people that made that 115-year mark and a little older. And uh, she died in 1993, but she was born in 1877. And she said, a healthy lifestyle, a stiff brandy, and bacon and eggs. So, you know, and, and she also attributes her long life to a good, honest life and adherence to the Ten Commandments. Well, let's look at the Blue Zones. Okay, now this is a brilliant book. I encourage people to get it because I'm obviously the medical system has dropped the ball. If you're taking chemicals to keep alive, you are not going to live long. That's that's it. We know polypharmacy. We know their interventions are toxic. So what about these areas around the world? And they call them Blue Zones. Um, now, this is by Dan Bootner, and the the lessons that these that that when you study the countries going around the world, what do they do? All of them, moderate regular physical activity. That's it. Moderate regular physical activity. That means you got to exercise every day. If you're exercising to the extreme, it's not healthy for you. They all have a life purpose. That means you got a reason to get up. And that purpose typically is to serve others. They have stress reduction, which means they're if they're confronted with a circumstance, they're not going to pop the Prozac. They actually have certain things that they like to do. Like Janine Calment would like to go hunting or opera or play. Uh, moderate calorie intake, which means they were not obese. They were not taking in foods that are not foods. They took in, well, you got to figure 100 years ago, there was only organic, um, there was only, there was not chemicals in their food. They all had a plant-based diet. They all had moderate alcohol intake, especially wine, like the the Sardinians, the men in Sardinia lived longest than any male on the planet, and they drink an average of seven liters of red wine a month. They all have engagement in the spirituality or religion. It's interesting when you look at the people that made it over 100, 
have a fear of death. Because think of it, if you've been 100, you know, you've had a lot of your friends die, your family die, your kids die, your relatives die, uh, you're going to look at it as a part of life. So that makes sense. They generally have an engagement in family and a social life. That's it. I mean, let's look at it. Um, what what type of things do people live beyond 100 have? They have put family ahead, and so they had a social environment that had a priority. Uh, they did not smoke. Um, and in fact, when you look at it, about 3% smoke still of people over 100. But 88% didn't smoke cigarettes at all. You get the Janine Calmets in there, who smoked one cigarette a day for 100 years, uh, which, I mean, worked out well for her. <laughs> so, but it's it's like almost bouncing the toxic negative effects. All of them are semi-vegetarian or vegetarians. Uh, so that means the majority of their diet was from plants. They had constant moderate physical activity. That means it's inseparable from their life. So they would get up and they would walk. Then nobody joined a gym, but they would always do walking. And so, so what type of things were they doing? How did it work? Well, let's look at modern science. And what they're looking at, modern science, what, what do these old people have? How, how do you make it beyond 100? And let's look at it. Well, they discover, made a discovery of what's called nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, or NAD. Now, there's a chemical found in almost every single cell of your body. And it, it as we uh, increase in age, the levels of this NAD decreases. Now, it's the level of decrease of NAD in your blood is inversely proportional to advancing age. So if you have less of the NAD in, you're going to have problems with mental acuity, physical strength, enthusiasm, high energy. However, if you have the reverse of that, where you have sufficient amounts of NAD in your blood, you're going to have high energy, positive motivation, passion, uh, increased metabolic activity, cognitive activity. And so, so this makes sense. When you look at um, sciencemagazine.org, uh, they talk about NAD and aging, metabolism, and neurodegeneration. And sure enough, um, when you look at cellular concentrations that change during aging, people that live longer have higher levels of this. Uh, so I'm looking at this, and I want to correlate with modern science. We're finding out these substances that are in people that are healthy over 100. Um, where does NAD found? Well, it's found in cow's milk. Uh, fish, like tuna, sardines, salmon. It's found in beer. That's right, beer. Uh, it's found in Crimean uh, mushrooms, chicken, yeast, vegetables. All of these have certain amounts of NAD in them. And now, I'm not saying go out and start, you know, coating some chicken and milk, because when you look at this, when we talk about dairy milk, is it the toxic substance that's available in the, in the your refrigerator now? Okay, I'm talking the bovine growth hormone, the, um, the pasteurized, harvested by sick animals. Okay, uh, the fish are the mercury-laden tuna or the predatory fish. You know, so let's correlate what foods have NAD in it, and let's look at what foods the blue zone people can um, consume. Does, does that make sense? It kind of makes sense in my brain. Okay, so we look at it, the, the blue zones, the ones that would eat dairy or consume dairy, and that's most of them, 
they would it would be mainly goat's milk, uh, but it was always and most of the time fermented like yogurt, sour milk, cheese, and there was goats and sheep milks, but not not a lot of cow's milk. Now, on average, they would eat three eggs per week on average if they eat animal products. That's not the triple egg omelet for one breakfast three times a week. This is, and the eggs are from healthy animals that are free range. Okay, so these are not concentrating animal feeding operations. Okay, they typically would eat a half a cup of cooked beans a day. And this could be black beans, lentils, garbanzo, white beans. Uh, beans are really um, staple in the blue zones. They typically ate two handfuls of nuts a day, like almonds, pistachios, Brazil nuts, cashew nuts, and walnuts. And think of this, two handfuls of nuts a day, excellent, great for you. However, walnuts or and nuts are high in polyunsaturated fats. And high polyunsaturated fats cause the blood cells to clump together. So are these people living 100? Are they eating the almond milk with the almond butter, with the almond bread, with the almond flour? No. No. So let's go back to eating the way we're supposed to eat. Uh, dark green leafy vegetables is really common. Okay, so we're talking spinach, kale, beet, turnip chart. And, you know, of course, they're sautéing them in, in olive oil. Seasonal fruits and vegetables. This means you're not getting that, that um, uh, melon that was sprayed with a preservative shipped up from South America and you're consuming it in December. Okay, local seasonal foods. Now, people in four of the five blue zones consume meat, but it was used um, as a, not a main course, like a celebratory f food, small facade, uh, and up to three servings a week of fish like sardines, sardines, anchovy, cod. And you'll notice these are not predatory fish. So they're not they're gonna have low levels of toxins. For bread, they would eat mainly well 100% whole grains, but fermented breads like sourdough. Because think of this: the sourdough actually digests the starches and glutens inside of the bread. And in fact, there's some sourdoughs that have less gluten in it than gluten-free bread. So so you know we're just following it. Now, what do they consume liquid? Well, water. Uh, the the Seventh Day Adventists, okay, and, and Mariloma, that this is one of the blue zone groups. They recommend seven glasses of water a day. That makes sense. What about coffee? Uh, you're talking three of the five areas of the blue zones. Um, massive amounts of coffee. I mean, we're talking copious amounts. Sardinians, Icarians, uh, Nicaraguans, all of these. Okay, and it turns out that coffee drinking is associated with lower dimensional rates and lower Parkinson's rates. Man, okay, what about tea? We're talking everybody in the Blue Zones drinks tea. Heck, Okinawans nurse green tea all day long. Why? Um, because it's not just green tea, but it's been shown to lower heart disease and several cancers. Does it lower those disease rates or does it strengthen the immune system and give your body the appropriate nutrients so you're not predisposed to those diseases? Now, red wine. Okay, we know Janine Calmet, you know, would have a glass of port every day. Sure enough, one to three glasses of red wine per day, often with meal and friends, were, are consumed in the red zones. Heck, Sardinians, the oldest lived males on the planet, drink up to seven liters of red wine a month. That's a lot. 
Okay, so so look at it. Most and then they're living in harmony with their environment. Most of the people in the blue zones get their nutrients and food, vegetables, grains, everything within ten miles of their their where they live. So and also an attitude of gratitude. And this is the things that make you happy. If you have things that give you joy, uh, then you're absolutely changing your entire physiology. So I'm going to give you an attitude of gratitude because that's typically what you see in people that live over 100. List three things that you're grateful for right now. Okay, plan on helping others. Think of this. This is one of the challenges. When, when you read to keep something, you've got to give it away. It doesn't make sense until you t- talk about love. Okay, if you want to keep love, if you want to grow love, if you want to have it, and you say, screw it, I'm just going to stay in here in my box, not talk to anyone. I'm going to hold all the love I got right in my own heart. It ain't going to work. You try and hold on to something like that, you're going to lose it. But the more love you give away, you get it back. So help others. Pay it forward. Do something. Get get put yourself in some situation where you're filling food boxes, or you're helping out at shelter, or you become a chiropractor and start helping people. Meditate daily. That's an absolute. You got to do it at least five minutes a day. Exercise and move every day. That helps your brain um, give you that attitude of gratitude. Movement and exercise helps. Plan a vacation. That's right. If you're dead broke, can't do it, anything else, by God, get some pictures out there and plan something fun. And do the hundred things to do, be, or become. That literally changes your brain on a pathway that puts you in more harmony with your life. So now that's how to live longer. Look at people that are doing it and model them. Okay? It's, it's not, we're not reinventing the wheel. So now why is our population so sick? Why do 54% of our kids have a chronic illness or disease that they will never recover from? Why is the data showing that this generation will not live beyond their, their adult population? Why are we struggling, struggling to get people to survive past 70, okay, when that's, that's about, uh, you know, two-thirds of what it should be? Well, first, here it is. Vaccinations are a contributing factor to the sickening of our population. Antibiotics, medication, environmental toxins, processed and toxic food, sedentary lifestyle, and literally physical, chemical, and emotional stress. So if you're curious, get onto Google and type in life expectancy declining in the USA. You will get thousands of hits. Thousands. And you're going to see, and I'm just going to read from this, Fueled by the drug crisis, U.S. life expectancy declines for a second year in the row. Drug crisis. Do you know what drug crisis they're talking about? It's the opioid crisis. Is that an opioid crisis or is it a crisis of the entire medical system drugging symptoms, knowing that they do the right drug at the right time and the right dosage, that 128,000 people a year die? And we call this a medical system? No, this is a medical indoctrination. This is a sick care system, not health care. It has nothing to do with health. So now, let's look at the New England Journal of Medicine. What does the New England Journal of Medicine say? This is the title of the article, A Potential Decline in Life Expectancy in the United States in the 21st Century. Uh, And they're saying it's obesity. Really? Is it obesity? Or 
is the population sick and drugged and poisoned. See, obesity has never been a problem in our population. But you give calorie-rich, nutrient-poor food, and then you take away exercise, and you give them a sedentary lifestyle, the end result is a poisoned population or obese population. And they say there's been a decrease in mean age. There's going to be an increase in heart disease, stroke, limb amputation, kidney failure, blindness, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, asthma, cancer, and gastrointestinal problems. This is what's going to kill Americans in the 21st century. Uh, Then we look at the British Medical Journal. Recent trends in life expectancy across high-income countries. It turns out that many high-income countries are experiencing what the USA is experiencing. Their population is dying. Okay, And they say life expectancy is a key summary of health and well-being of a population. The USA has the lowest life expectancy level among high-income developing countries. Americans fare poorly across a broad set of age conditions and causes of death compared with their counterparts in other countries. Why? Well, 54% of American kids have a chronic illness or disease. That's 54%. We've got... um, Uh, chronic developmentally disabled. We've got an autism rate of 1 in 33 boys. Uh, We're getting kids, a third of our practice is under 12, and we're getting these kids in here with bowel disorders. Do you think that if you gave the kids, kids today, the same diet that is found in the Blue Zones, where they're eating plant-based, 100% organic, they're eating healthy animal products once a week to once a month, they're drinking water, they're drinking um, no sodas, no processed foods, nothing. Do you think they would have bowel disorders like that? Okay, if you're curious about vaccines doing damage, I encourage you to look at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Now, this is set up by the U.S. government to monitor damage done by the vaccines. And I'm going to go over that. It's wonder.cd.gov slash controller slash data request and we're going to go over how to access this it's just there's so many people living in this delusional environment that vaccines are safe and effective when they're literally poisoning our population if you look at Vera Schneiber PhD she wrote a book vaccinations 100 years of orthodox research shows that vaccines represent a medical assault on the immune system when you when you look at this, uh, the people in our society are getting sicker. That is without a doubt fact. Um, and I love the way she puts it here. Quote, it is a country of zombies who do what they are told by vested interests who intimidate them and use them to make money. 25,000 American babies succumb to cot deaths, crib death, or sudden infant death each year. Vaccination is the single biggest cause of cot death. When Japan moved the vaccination age to two, cot death entirely disappeared in that country. Uh, It's mind-boggling. When we look at now, currently, infant mortality rates, the number of our kids dying, and high maternity rates, they're higher than 1986, so higher than 40 years ago. When we look at uh, maternal, or 30 years ago, we will look at maternity mortality rates. A maternal mortality rate, that means mothers are dying. The rate doubled between 1990 and 2013. 
Now, it could be that pregnant women are first time in history getting vaccinated with influenza, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus during their, va- during their pregnancy, which could have an end result of that. Now, in 32 years, breast cancer has increased 300%. The population's only increased 30%. So we're seeing a massive rise in cancers. And again, cancer is not a disease of the body being attacked. Cancer is a metabolic disease, which means we're poisoning. Now, the factors that cause um, cancer, it's not genetic. We know that. Uh, Viral vaccinations or medical interventions, hypoxia or low oxygen, inflammation, environmental toxins, radiation, and carcinogens. We know that. So let's look at at more data. How about the truth about cancer? And let's just see if we can correlate the people that are living healthy over 100, what their diet and exercise and lifestyle is like, to people that develop cancer. What are they taking? What are their interventions? Well, sure enough, genetically modified foods is top of the list to avoid if you want to avoid cancer. We're talking microwave um, popcorn, canned goods, grilled meat, refined sugar, um, soda and carbonated beverages, white flour, farmed fish, hydrogenated vegetable oils. Uh, All of this stuff, it, it just doesn't make any sense to put poisonous food inside of your body. You're not going to live long and healthy. We also have problems with the British Journal of Cancer. It turns out that childhood cancer rates have gone up 1% per year over the last 30 years. 20% of all deaths occurring in children 1 to 14 years old are due to cancer. This is massively increasing. Um, what about you know the vaccine schedule? 72 doses of 17 different vaccines when in 1962 it was three shots. Um, okay, we, we now have a wave, okay, and this is out of the Journal of Contemporary Psychotherapy. Uh, it's the Autistic Order, Autism Spectrum Disorder Tsunami. Uh, we're going to look at, um, well, we're, I'm running out of time right now, but we're going to go into this massive wave. And it started in the late 90s when a lot of kids started to develop autism. Of course, it's just when we did the tripling of the number of vaccines from 23 to 33 to 54. Um, Then now we're up to 72. But right then is when we started to notice a large onset, and it's called the autistic tsunami. Um, So these kids are actually, we have more than a million and a half kids with autism. The majority of these people are under 22. 50,000 kids a year with autism are transitioning into adult kids. That's 50,000 a year. Now, you're talking this system is not designed to help it. Uh, Think of this. You get a nonverbal kid who's intellectually disabled. They require substantial support. They're not able to work or earn a living. So this is 50,000 people a year in our country that will not be contributing, that will be a drain on it. so we're, we're going to change this world. And I'm going to go over uh, the solutions, but the solutions, think of this. All we got to do is look back. Well, how do we fix this problem? We do what people that made it over 100 do. 
you don't utilize medical care, like you're not going to take an antihistamine or an Excedrin or something to help you sleep. Uh, you're not going to take a blood pressure medication to regulate your blood pressure. Check out our our talks on that. They, they haven't even come up with an appropriate number for blood pressure. Is it 120 over 80? Is it 115 over 75? You know, they don't know. So look at your body as self-healing and self-regulating. These people living beyond 100 are not taking a plethora of medications. The average person over 60 takes 12 prescriptions a year if you're in America. So we have to wake up. It seems too simple that in order to live longer and healthier, you've got to look at endocrine disruptors that you're exposed to. And this is going to be chemicals in your food, chemicals in that you're putting on your body, chemicals in your environment. Okay, those endocrine receptors, the Febreze, the fabric softener, the, the shampoos, all of these toxic chemicals, look at your environment. Medications, if you're taking medications, find out why you're taking them. So far, we have not seen anyone that has required high blood pressure pills. All we do is we get them out of the stress state, show them how to deep breathe, they take their blood pressure, and it's normal. Okay, look at the vaccinations. Uh, if you've done your research, you'll find out that the vaccination can cause more harm than they're preventing. Uh, look at vaclib.org. There's enough information out there. Toxins in our food and toxins in our environment, eliminate it. I want you to appreciate that your body is designed to live to 115 years old minimum. And if we're not doing, if we're not attaining that, then we're doing something wrong. Your body is more energy than matter. You're designed in the image and likeness of God. By God, you're powerful. I'm sick of the medical world telling you that you're sick and you're predisposed to disease. You're not. You're a brilliant, a sentient being that is that self-healing and self-regulating, that you're designed to live on this planet. So let's change this world. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.